Awesome. Hey, everybody, wherever you are, give somebody a high five. If you're all by yourself, give yourself a high five. We welcome you. We're so excited to be with you today, Joy Church Online. And so uh, even though we're not in the same room, we are together, we're connected, and we are having a great time. I'm excited to talk to you today and continue in our series about thriving even in the midst of crisis. We're calling it Beyond Survival. But before that, I want to just quickly give you a couple of important announcements, keep you up uh, to date in the loop here. One of the, the most important things, and we started this last week, but we're doing it today and we're going to continue to do this ongoing, is that right after the, the, this portion of the service, right after I'm done sharing with you and speaking to you, we have what we call connect groups. And these connect groups are a part of our Sunday experience. They're a part of our Joy Church Sunday service. So this is not something that we've added on. We've actually shortened our main service. And what we're doing is combining this. We want to go from spectators to participants. And so right after the speaking portion today, you can go to joyeugene.com slash live. That's joyeugene.com slash live. Scroll down below the, the live stream video. Maybe you're even on this page now and you'll see all the beautiful, smiling uh, pictures of people there that are leading connect groups. And you can jump into one of those groups. It happens on Zoom. And what you're going to do inside that group is talk about the message that you hear today and unpack it and begin to apply it in your life. So if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus, if you want to be a disciple and you want to grow spiritually, this is a perfect opportunity not just to let this message be something that you just kind of take in as a consumer, but now for you to be able to get in and actually interact with fellow followers of Jesus and new friends and different people. You might know them, maybe you don't. You're, everybody's welcome, but we really want to encourage you to go there. Now, right after I speak today, we're going to play a short video that gives you the uh, lowdown, the 411 on how to access those connect groups. So don't just turn off when I say amen. Make sure you watch that video and then jump into a connect group. Another exciting announcement is that tonight it is first Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the month. What? So if you know this at Joy Church, every uh, first Sunday of the month, we have something called the most creatively named thing, First Sunday. Yes. And First Sunday is an exciting time of prayer, worship, engaging in the presence of God, take communion. It's a great time. And we're going to do that even though we're not in the same room. We're still doing that tonight. So how do you get access to that? You go to the Joy Church Facebook page, Joy Church Eugene Facebook page, and that's going to be going live at 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. I got it. Come on, give me, give me a round of applause wherever you are. I'm not the announcements guy, right? I'm the preacher, but they, they put me in this role, so I do my very best and appreciate it. Um, six o'clock tonight, first Sunday is going on. Pastor Judah and Melody are going to lead us in that, and last time it was phenomenal. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. All right, one last thing, and certainly not least, is our time to practice biblical generosity. Part of our act of worship uh, that we give to the Lord is that we, we don't just worship God in word only. We don't just worship God in service of others. We worship God even with our finances. We believe that everything we have comes from God, that we are stewards, and it's our honor and opportunity to return to God in the tithe and the offerings, what he's given to us. And I'll just tell you a testimony from my own life. You know, Bethany and I have been tithers. We've been givers, trusted God in the area of our finances since we were small children and even through our marriage and every time God has put a challenge in us to, be, to, to give or to go to another level, he's, he's paid us back so much more. We've been so blessed. And, and it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. But this is an act of worship for us. We don't do this because it's like the most fun thing to do or whatever. We do it because it is a part of our worship to God to entrust him with our finances. So how do we do that as an online church? Well, the easy way is to go to joyeugene.com give. That's joyeugene.com give. And there's options to give 
in a variety of different ways. It's very simple, very easy. So I want to invite you to do that right at this time or throughout the week, you can do that. Let's pray for this offering. Father, I thank you for all the blessings you've given to us. Lord, I pray, uh, uh, we thank you that you're our provider. It's not the government, it's not our jobs, it's not our skills, it's not our own hands or our own mind. Lord, you are our provider and everything we have comes from you. So Lord, it's our honor to return to you a small portion of that. And I pray, Lord, that we would remain generous even in the face of lack. Lord, I pray for people that are going through financial hardship as this has kind of touched all of us, Lord, maybe a small business owner, maybe a family who's not sure where the next paycheck is going to come from. But Lord, I pray for your blessing. I pray for your encouragement. I pray for a spirit of faith to rise in our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that you are our provider. So we put our trust in you. And God, we, we give to you our tithes and our offerings today with joy and with gladness, Lord, trusting that you are our provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, hey guys, we're going to jump in to the message. As I said, a little bit before, we are in a series called Beyond Survival. And uh, right now, we are in a time where survival is kind of on all of our minds. And to be transparent and honest with you, even this week, and Bethany and I have been talking about this, like mentally, it's been a struggle. I even, I even said this uh, yesterday or the day before, I'm like, I don't really feel like preaching this sermon uh, because I don't personally feel like on the inside, man, I'm just thriving. Ooh, I'm beyond survival. I, I think that if we're honest, Thriving is not so much about how you feel moment by moment. In fact, many of us are going through very hard times. Maybe there's actual hard times or it's the fear of the unknown or whatever that may be. But even in this time, it's a time of crisis. That doesn't mean that you always feel like everything's perfect, that you always feel like everything's all right. And the reality is that platitudes and just saying nice religious sounding Christian type stuff doesn't necessarily make things better. Here's what makes things better. When we build our life upon Christ as the rock, in the midst of the storms. And that's what I want to talk about today is that we can build our lives to be able to thrive. Thriving is engaging the fullness of your life in God. Thriving doesn't mean your feelings are necessarily perfect. Thriving doesn't mean your finances are perfect. Thriving doesn't mean your friendships are perfect. Thriving means that your the root of your life, the source of your life and strength is secure even in the midst of other things going wrong. And here's the thing, if if, if you're an atheist, and you're someone who just denies God completely, like going to the full extent of someone maybe the opposite on a, on a scale of, let's say, being a Christian and someone who believes in God, you're still going to go through the exact same storms. The difference between the person who has faith and the person who has, does not have faith is not the storm they go through. It is, is there any response or is there any help coming? And if you deny God, if you deny the existence of God in your life, whether intellectually and fully or just sort of in the way that you live, kind of agnostically, you still go through the same storms. And and, and to to paraphrase a verse, it rains on the just and the unjust. Now that verse is actually talking about blessing. God pours his blessing on all of us. But but another way to look at it is this, you're going to go through the same storm regardless of your beliefs. But is there any help for you? And one of the reasons I am passionately a Christian, even in the midst of doubts and, and struggles and even going through weeks like this, just to be purely, you know, perfectly honest with you, wasn't the best week of our life uh, in our family. And, and when you go through things like this, what do you have to hold on to? And I'll tell you what I hold on to. I hold on to Christ because there's not something else that is secure and stable in the midst of storms. I'm just preaching right now on a live stream. I'm even spinning. I'm getting it all over my iPad. Hopefully not on the camera lens there and, and on your phone. Uh, and isn't that beautiful that on live stream, I can't spit on anybody in the front row. Uh, but wait till we get back live in our own building and that'll be right back to the Shamu splash zone in preaching. 
but building our life on Christ. And I want to talk to you today about thriving and being built to thrive, how to build your life where you're not just living a survival mindset, but you're really building and there's actually growth and improvement and movement in your life upwards. This is what we crave as human beings because we're actually designed not just to survive. We are designed, we are crafted to thrive. We are crafted to grow. We are crafted to actually grow in our intellect, grow in our output, in our careers, grow in our relationships. We're called to thrive. It's what we were designed for. And the beautiful thing is that this thriving kind of life even sometimes looks a little bit paradoxical in the midst of crisis. But as a Christian, you can say, yes, I am thriving, even though I personally am not having a good time right now. I am thriving because I have Christ on the inside and he's the purpose and the source of my life and the target of my life. Therefore, nothing in this world can take that away. Okay, So this is the kind of life that Jesus has for us. This life and life more abundantly. He talks about it in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In another translation, it says they may have life and life more abundantly. This is the kind of life that we can have in Christ. How do we go beyond survival and engage this kind of life? How do we get there? Well, it comes from building our life on the right foundation. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, and you've probably heard this before, but let's apply it to what we're talking about today. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Let me make a note here. Hearing the teaching of Jesus is not what makes a person wise. There are a bunch of people that listen to sermons every week that are not walking with Jesus. Let me say that again. You can go to church every week and not be a Christian. You can go to church every week and hear messages in the same way I can sit in a meeting of nuclear physicists and not, understand, and not really be walking the walk. Are you with me? There's something about application. Going to the zoo does not make you a monkey. There's something about being born again into the family. When you are following Jesus and you activate what you heard and what you're teaching, that is where wisdom comes. The scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We don't even begin to walk in any wisdom whatsoever. We can have piles upon piles upon piles of knowledge and head knowledge and intellect about God and about Christianity. Some of the worst people in the world know more about the Bible than I do because knowing is not the same as doing. And we know this at a deep level, don't we? We know this sort of intuitively, but Jesus makes it explicit. He says, listen, listen you've got to hear it. You've got to listen to my teaching, but you've got to follow it. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. A disciple is someone who says, where is Jesus walking? What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus doing? I'm going to walk in his steps. I'm going to do what he does. I'm going to say what he says, what he says. I'm going to follow him. So Jesus says it's the teaching and the following that creates wisdom, like a person who builds a house on solid rock, built to thrive, built on the right foundation. Verse 25, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. In other words, exposure to Christian teaching is not creating wisdom. You go, well, I go to group. I go to church. I listen to the messages. I've listened to four sermons. I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to sermons all every time zone today. Okay, what are you doing are you following? Are you taking action? This is critical. 
who hears my teaching doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. How do you build your life on the rock? It's in the hearing and the doing, the application, a relationship with Jesus where you're actually following Jesus. You are carving out and digging down and building on the right foundation in life. It's not just hearing. This is why in culture many times there's a war uh, of, of, of people saying, well, Christians are just hypocrites. Because many times re- people that espouse or just spout out Christian platitudes or Christian beliefs or doctrines or whatever, but they're not actually rooted on the rock. And all of us have to just be introspective and say, okay, am I really built on the rock? Am I just kind of a Christian dipper? Do I just dip into Christian teaching and go, man, that sounds good. I kind of like that. I like that Jesus saves me. I, I want to go to heaven. You know, no, that's not really Christianity. Christianity is going, I, I have surrendered everything I am to Christ and I follow in his footsteps. Does that mean we're perfect? No, but we've given everything. We've laid our life down. We've received Christ's life and we're now living for him. How do we build on this right foundation? Ravi Zacharias, one of my favorite authors and speakers, uh, he told about doing a lectureship several years ago at Ohio State University. Um, and I just want to make a note really quick, very deeply theological. Go Ducks. We're going to beat Ohio State next year. Come on, prophetically. Let's do it. Let's get them. Uh, he was at Ohio State University. I need to hear more amens. I didn't, I mean, I should be hearing that even from wherever you are here in the city of Eugene. As he was being driven to the lecture, they passed what was then the new Wexner Art Center. And the driver commented to Ravi, he said, this is a new art building for the university. It's fascinating because it's been designed in the post-modernist view of reality. And Ravi Zacharias described this building. He said, the building has no pattern. Staircases go nowhere. Pillars support nothing. The architect designed the building to reflect this postmodernist view of life. Went nowhere and was mindless and senseless. Okay, this is the postmodern view. Ravi Zacharias turned and said to the man and said, did they do the same thing with the foundation? And the man laughed and answered, You can't do that with the foundation. You see, you can get all crazy with the aesthetic. You can have staircases and pillars and things that go nowhere and create this illusion. But when it comes to what it's actually built on, even though this museum is dedicated to post-modernity, it is not built on a post-modern foundation. It's built on a very rational, realistic, correct view of engineering Because though we can play games with this, we can't mess with the actual laws of physics. Are you with me? And so it is spiritually that we can play games. We can say, well, you don't really need to build your life on the rock. You could do it this way, da-da-da-da-da. No, when it comes to the foundation, you can't mess around. One thing is certain, even from the words of Jesus, where he says, in this life you will have trouble. And he repeats it here, where he says, when the storms come, not if, but when. It is certain that the storms will come. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but they will come in life. Maybe through this crisis, you're going, hey, my, my life's pretty good. Everything's okay. Um, but, but somebody is suffering going through a storm. But guess what? It will be your turn at some point in the future. We all go through storms. And it's when the storms come, not if. And it's in those moments that we go, did I build on the right foundation? Can I thrive in the midst of this crisis and storm? Or did I build on the sand? How do we build on the rock? We, we listen and we obey. We hear the teachings of Jesus. We follow the teachings of Jesus. There's an application, an actual movement forward in our life to follow the teachings of Jesus. 
The storms will come. So why don't more people build their life on the rock? Why? Because I think if you're hearing this today, I hope I'm saying it very clearly, it doesn't make sense to not build your life on the rock. Though it might be easier, and I'll talk about this, but it doesn't make sense to build your life on the sand because rationally, I think we can all agree that life is going to bring trouble. If you've been alive for more than a few years, you're going to recognize this, that life goes up and down like a roller coaster. There's good times, bad times. Sometimes there's such bad times that you really need a rock to hang on to because the storm threatens to pull you off into the raging uh, turmoil of the ocean, right? Like th- there are moments in life that are so shaking and so, so you know, violent uh, that, that if you have no foundation, you're, really me- you're a mess. And I think we recognize this. So why don't more people build on the rock? Well, here's, here's why. Number one, it's hard. Like think about rock. Rock is hard. It's hard to work with. It's not easy. Uh, rock doesn't just immediately do what you want it to do. Uh, I tell my kids this, you know, when you, when you get in a fight with the ground, the ground always wins, right? When you get in a fight with a rock, it always wins. And one of my children has actually learned this lesson very, very clearly uh, and demonstrated it for all the other kids in our family and the neighbor kids by breaking her arm during quarantine. Thank you, my dear daughter leaping off of a trampoline and getting in a fight with the ground and the ground always wins. Why, is, why do more people not build on the rock? Because working with the rock is difficult. It's hard. The ground always wins. The rock always wins. Now, listen, when you build your life on Jesus, can I tell you something about Jesus? He's infuriating. You know why? He's perfect. And so if I get in an argument with the rock, guess who wins? The rock every time. When I argue with God, when I argue with Jesus, well, I want to do this. No, this is what's right. He's unyielding. God does not change. We talk about these, video, these uh, verses where we say, oh, you know, we're so thankful the Lord. He never changes. God, he, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know what, what that would be if that was applied to me? If I never changed, people would be mad at me and be like, you, bro, you need to change. Like, you're unyielding. Like, you, you're hard to work with right? People do say these things to me and I have to deal with it, right? But you, you know, you always think you're right. Well, the problem with God is that he always is right. He's perfect. And guess what that means is that when you in your life want to build on the rock, guess who has to change and form to the rock? You do. I do. This is why we don't want to build on the rock because the sand, what we can do is we can get our little tush and we can make a little space whoop, and we can make it fit to us. See, when it comes to the sand, we get to go, oh, I get to pick my sexuality. I get to pick my morals. I get to pick and choose what's right, what's wrong. I get to pick and choose what I want to do on Monday, Tuesday. I get to live Burger King life. I get to have it my way. And I get to form the sand to my life. But when it comes to the rock, you can't form the rock to your life. You must form your life to the rock. When you build on Jesus, he's not the one that changes. You have to change. And that's why more people don't build on the rock because it's hard. There's an unyielding aspect to Jesus. He's perfect. And so when we come into relationship with him, there's often pain and a struggle as we are compelled to yield our own will and our own desires to what he wants from us and what he wants for us. Number two, it takes preparation. To build on the rock, you have to prepare yourself. You have to prepare the foundation. You know, Bethany, my wife, is a wonderful gardener, and we have this beautiful garden space that was really just a big mess when we first bought our house. And my wife has, over the, the few years that we've lived in this house, has lovingly 
developed and prepared and done all this work. And so now when people come and see our garden, it's like, wow, what a beautiful garden. And all this, all these uh, vegetables come out. We're about ready to get a bunch of artichokes this year. Come on, somebody in Jesus' name. We're going to stuff them with Parmesan and breadcrumbs and coat them in olive oil. And who's hungry? Uh, this is a beautiful garden, but it's taken all this preparation. And one of the things that we had to do to prepare was we had to dig through the, 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 the rocky dirt and rototill it. And so we got this rototiller that I think comes from World War II, literally. It's like as big as a tank. Um, it, it is massive. The, the muffler rusted off. And so it actually shoots fire. Uh, and it, it's so loud. It hurts your ears and it's hard to maneuver. And so there I was out in the yard, you know, totally getting rattled. I mean, I was getting rototilled, having to prepare this ground. Why do more people not build on the rock? Because it requires preparation and it's hard work not only is the, the ground unyielding, the rock unyielding, and you have to change, but it requires this investment of effort and labor. It takes preparation. Another reason, and, and I'm not trying to talk you out of building your life on the rock, because I'm going to make a point about why it's worth it. But listen, another reason why people don't build on the rock is because it's slow. I want you to imagine in Jesus' story here, you have rock guy and you have sand guy. Now here's what it would look like. Rock guy is up off the beach, right, where it's windy and blowing and it's not as warm. And he's, he's, he's sitting there with a tool. And he looks down and here's the beach guy, right? On the beach, has a nice sandcastle. There's tons of people around. People are dancing. People are doing the Macarena, right? Having a barbecue. And everything in the stormless time appears to be better for sand guy. Right now, you're looking across at people. You're going, well, man, like they don't really work on their marriage. Like they seem fine. That these people, they, they're not building their life on the foundation of Christ. Everything's working out. They have all the money and all this kind of stuff. You look across, we get so deceived because we look at Sand Guy and we go, well, they're having a barbecue. Look, they're doing the Macarena. I need to put down this tool. <clears throat> Here I am, <laughs> scratching into this rock. I, I have no discernible difference in my life. Uh, it's taking so long. But in the midst of the storm, nobody's doing the Macarena. That's a theological point for you. <laughs> that scratching at the rock, that unyielding, that preparation, that time, that, that development where we dig into God, where we dig in in prayer and in, in the word, where we are carving into, you know, trying to build our life and get, get into, uh, get our life rooted on Christ. It takes a long time. It's not fun always. It's not like every day I wake up and go, woo, I get to wake up early and read my Bible. Yes. I'm in First Chronicles, genealogies, yes. That's not how it works. But what I found is that every day getting into the word, every day going to the rock and letting the rock change me, when the storms come, bulletproof, built to thrive, to go beyond survival, to endure, to get through and get ahead and to grow, to be playing this game on into the future, to keep my marriage alive and full of love, even through difficulties, to keep my spirit and my soul activated, to not lose mentally the game internally because we're built to thrive and we're built on the rock. This is good preaching. I know you're amening. If I could hear you, I would be like, whoa, all these amens. You know, finally, to understand about being built to thrive and to build your life on the rock, I want to say that it is 100% worth it. For all the negative reasons that I gave, it's hard, it takes preparation, it's slow. Um, all of that pales in comparison to the reality that building your life on the rock of Christ is absolutely worth it 100%. 100%.
Romans chapter 8, verse 35 comes from a man named Paul. He wrote this letter to the church in Rome, and he said, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 37, he says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is it worth it? Because when you think about building your life on the rock, the rock is what holds on to you. You know, in those moments when we ha- we've taken that time to prepare, we're built to thrive, we've connected with Christ, Christ connects with us. What the Christian ultimately discovers in life is that it is not our capacity to hang on to the rock, it is the rock's capacity to hang on to you. But you must pursue and embrace the foundation of Christ. And in the storm, when you feel like, I'm gonna let go, I can't hold on, you find the loving arms of Christ and his faithfulness, even when we are faithless, holding on to you. Many of us have never, many of you have never experienced a friend like Jesus. You've never experienced a father like your father in heaven. You've never had another individual in this universe embrace you in the way that Christ wishes to embrace you. But you must put your life upon the rock. You must hear the teachings of Jesus and you must respond. There are no neutral parties when it comes to life. Everyone makes a decision for or against Jesus. You see, today, as you hear these words, you become accountable as a person created in the image of God. When you hear the message of Jesus, it is now your responsibility to respond, yes or no. Do I embrace the rock or am I gonna go build on the sand? And the choice is not hard to make intellectually, but it is does require a great sacrifice from us. We have to give our lives to Jesus. Giving your life to Jesus is not so much just praying a prayer. Giving your life to Jesus is this surrender from the inside out of I'm gonna give the lordship of my life over to God. I'm going to trust in the work of Jesus at the cross that he died for my sins. To embrace Jesus as savior requires you to embrace your position as sinner and say, I have messed up. I have built my life on the sand and the storms of life have come in and I've hurt other people even in those choices. But when we make that decision and we say, you know what? I'm gonna turn to Christ. We, we, all of his love and his grace and his power rushes into our life and he's right there close to you to embrace you. You can begin to build your life on the foundation of Christ. And when you have your life built on the foundation of Christ, you know what you can say? Bring it on, bring it on. Life can come, life can go, storms can come, storms can go. I'm built on Christ. And though even my own life were taken from me, my future and my eternity is secure in Jesus. Now let me give you an action step because you're maybe hearing this going, okay, that sounds great. I want to build my life on the rock. How do I do it? Well, you do it every day in small decisions, habits, choices, actions. In the same way that a healthy marriage is not like, oh, well, we had this one really good day I had this experience, you know, we went on this, 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 uh, this uh, honeymoon and now, now our marriage is forever safe. No, a real marriage and built strong actually is love and conversation, commitment, 
that you're voting for every single day, ongoing. And in the same way, a strong relationship with Christ is something that you engage in every day. The practical way to do this is that each morning to wake up, to open the Bible, to read the words of the Bible, to ask God what you need, how to apply it in your life, and to pray and talk to God each and every day. We call this devotions or a time with God. And throughout history, Christians have, have engaged this relationship with Christ by making it a discipline, a habit, a response every day to engage with God's word in scripture and to pray and engage with God uh, in, in that communication, to listen to the voice of God. I want to tell you, everyone can hear God speak. And I, and I bet you've heard him speak. Maybe you didn't recognize it. But everyone can hear God speak. Everyone can engage God's truth and his word through the scripture. And I want to, I want to encourage you today that tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, do this. Build your life on the rock. Wake up and have a moment with Christ. Get into the word. Begin to pray. <clears throat> Another response that you can make is today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can take the first step on this journey of following Jesus. And I've just talked to you about what it means to build your life on the rock, but it starts with putting our faith and trust in Christ. And so what I want to invite you to do is today just to pray along with me and in your heart make this decision, I'm going to trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I confess my sin to you. I know that I've not lived up to your standard I have taken the shortcut, the easy route, built my life on the sand. And Lord, that's resulted in me being hurt. It's resulted in me doing things that hurt others. And it's resulted even in me hurting you. But Lord, today I confess my sin to you and I ask you for your grace and mercy. I thank you that you died for me at the cross, Jesus. That you paid for my sins and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I receive your sacrifice today and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior and to be the rock of my life that I build everything upon. I give you my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.